Good morning. <laughs> God's richest blessings be with you. Welcome to all the guests here this morning. Thank you for bringing this word of, um, of faith, being faithful. It's one of the attributes that, um, that belongs to God's children, faithfulness. And uh, today I, wanna, I want to preach on, a, on being faithful, but being faithful in worship. And why? Did you notice that one song we sang? What's the first song you sang? Praise Jehovah. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah. Did you notice the song? It basically went through the, the lyrics or the words of Psalm 148. And he commanded who to praise him. Everything. Everything. Praise Jehovah. And, uh, and the question is, how much more do we praise him than the Nathan creation? And we've been giving a um, understanding. We've been, we've been created in the image of God. And also the question is, how do we praise him? Is it coming together and maybe just singing and then just go our own ways again? Well, let's find out. How do, we, how do we worship him? Because I believe the one and only God in the, in the universe expects his creation to worship and adore him. And not only that, but also rely on him for everyday needs, is it physical or spiritually? He wants us, he wants our attention, he wants our devoted devotion, our single devotion to him. So before we go, I thank you, John, for your prayer, but I want to stand before the Lord and, and praise the Lord from our hearts this morning and invite him again into our presence. Can we all rise to our feet? Father in heaven, we do come before you in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who had given us this opportunity to come together to worship you. He has given us this opportunity to be called children of the living God. And we are humbled, Lord, we are humbled this morning by this very fact that we can be called your children, that we can be inherited, that we can have an inheritance of eternal life. And Lord, we pray that we embrace, that we embrace our inheritance, that we embrace our worship and, and to worship you and to, and to adore you and to live our lives for you. Father, Lord God, we, we pray that you touch our hearts this morning in such a special way. That you love our praise. Is it in action? Is it in, with our lips? Is it with adoring you, Lord? We pray, Father God, that you be here with us this morning, that you fill this room with your presence through the Holy Spirit. May you move and touch our hearts in a way that we sense your presence on our lives and in our lives that we sense 
that we are your sons and daughters, Lord, that seek our comfort in you. So we thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray, Lord, that there's no room for the enemies in our midst here and for the enemy, Lord, but there's a hedge around us, Lord. As we glean off your word, we thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, so many times, even coming up here to preach, I'm in awe and wonder at eternity. And not only at the vast divide between the majesty of God and man, but how God has provided a way to close the gap and to bring reconciliation to Jesus Christ. It is, it is marvelous. And, and sometimes we get lost in, in looking for some miracle or some excitement when we miss the most marvelous work of all that Jesus could save a sinner like me. And to impart his life within us, eternal life, so that we may be partakers of his divine nature. If it weren't for Calvary's redemptive work, we wouldn't be gathered here this morning, and we would be without hope. We'd be lost. This is a thought that we take for granted. And being we are mortal and God is eternal and immortal, we, we need to be very careful we don't get lost with our temporary life. And we all know how easy that is here on earth. We can get so easily lost with the cares of this world. And as we know, Jesus warned that the cares of this world will choke up the life of God. It's in relating to eternal things that are not seen by faith. And anyone honest here will admit that's a problem. But nonetheless, in all of us, there is a desire to worship. And if the life of God has imparted in us eternal life, that void is more sensitive and more directed towards Christ. If, however, we re remain in our flesh, lost in our flesh, then we will most likely be lost in worship of self or an idol that will blind us. Idols blind. This is why covetousness, covetousness is such a, a stronghold in a believer's life. Idols blind people. Worship of self blinds us. Nonetheless, we rejoice this morning because we have been given salvation. We are reminded of this great salvation that has been given to us. It prompts us to worship and to praise the Lord with our lives. The redemptive work should reflect our whole being. And there's something I want to touch on this morning. That the redemptive work of God in our life not only reflects the lips our lips, a sacrifice of praise. But I believe, fully believe, that worship reflects out of every 
every area of our lives. One side of our lives should not worship an idol and the other side trying to worship God. Every part of our living being worships the Lord God. And um, this is the evidence of God's redeeming work in our life. If we're single-minded, single-hearted, worshiping the one true God. And it's amazing work of God. And it humbles me that the God of the universe would love and care. Would love and care and come to this earth and die and suffer the cruel death. And then personally desire a relationship with me. What, what is one verse that comes to mind? What is man that thou art mindful? That is God, the God of the universe, which we cannot even comprehend the universe, never mind comprehend who God is, desires to have a personal relationship with me. What response does that pull out of me? Do I even allow it? This is why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? It has been given, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. So he not only gave it, he also confirmed it with signs and wonders and with those that have gone before us. So just seeing that picture, getting a glimpse of that picture. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. Does that make sense? Amen. I, I, I think it does. So for our text this morning, I want you to turn to Psalm 113. And it just gives us a glimpse of worship and praise um, from the psalmist's point of view. Psalm 113, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high? who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. And so here we have the high and lofted almighty God 
who is like the Lord, it says, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. How he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. That is a picture of the love and the redemption of our God. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. This is us. This psalm brings a perspective of appreciation and adoration to the Lord God. And who is like our God? Who is like our God who humbles himself? As Jesus did. When we comprehend the vestas of God, we, we are humbled by his love and mercy for us. And in Revelation 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. So knowing the matchless love of Christ and all that God did for us, we begin to understand why we are commended to worship him. If we meditate on the whole story, starting from creation, and how God has always dealt with man, it fascinates me how he interacts with us and is so real to those who love him. We can reflect, we can look back, we can reflect of his faithfulness, we can reflect of his, of his, his, his healing, his, his deliverance in our lives. So let's look at worship. And I hope and, and pray that we can, this can be an encouragement and a blessing to you. So first of all, we have to realize to even make sense of what we're going to say here, we have to be clear in our heart. We have to be committed in our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. A work of the Holy Spirit has to be evident or at least have begun in our hearts. And I believe the Lord is faithful. If we allow him, he will. So what is worship? Worship is the occupation of our hearts with a God who is known to us. We know him first, and then we dwell on him, praising him for his majesty, praising him for what he's done for us. It is the occupation of our hearts with a God who is known to us. True worship can only take place only after we have trusted Christ, after we have a relationship with God, and worship can only can grow only as we deepen our fellowship with him. Can only grow as we deepen our fellowship with him. <clears throat> and I want to appeal today that worship is the adoration from our heart that encompasses our whole body and life and all conduct of worship is directed towards 
the being that we adore. In this sense, hear God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially, especially us men, we, we can so easily be sidetracked of what we adore, what we, what we run after, without knowing it, we, 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 hand, we handle stuff, things as if we worship it. <clears throat> the advertisement world knows that. How do they get most men? Money, glitter, newest and latest women. And this is how the advertise capture the eyes of men and, and they draw them in. You remember that old saying that Arkad said, if you want to see real worship, if you want to see men worship, go to your nearest truck dealer, new trucks. How, how, do, how do most men, and even us here, react to a new truck? Oh, we gently touch it, and we look at this feature, and we look at this, and we know the miles, and we know the cc's of the motor and the whatever else, the MPGs, everything. Then we touch the interior, then we look at the gauges. And pretty soon we know the inside and the outside of this truck, and we want the newer one every year. Or that's, that's what our flesh wants. And he says, we want to see men worship. Go to the nearest truck dealer. What, what, what is he saying with that? He's seeing, he's seeing men adoring an idol. And, and being defeated by covetousness. They worship and adore something. Well, what if we would worship and adore Christ in such a way and the things of God? Worship could be described as a moving in harmony with God. We are separate from God, but our beings move into the same tone. The melody of our lives moves as one with his spirit. So we worship God. I would break it down into three, um, three ways. In song, in prayer, and in serving. And even just through that, we can clearly see that it takes a regenerated person, born of God, through the Holy Spirit, to truly worship God. And we worship God with whatever we do. This is what Christ meant in John 4 when he said that we must worship God in spirit and in truth. We no longer worship God by performing rituals in temples made by human hands. Instead, we worship by reflecting him and by rejoicing in him directly. We do not simply praise God or sing his love and truth. We know we now have the love and truth in our hearts. Worship is a matter of the inward being, not some outward show. So let's look at singing. <clears throat> singing. A free and redeemed heart. I didn't read that somewhere in scripture. I've just come to experience realize that. And I think 
if we look at Psalms and other parts of Scripture, it will echo that. But a free and redeemed heart desires to sing. We are created in the image of God, and there is a desire and a longing to praise God of a heart that is fully reconciled to Him. When we sing, therefore we sing truth with the full force of our belief. We direct our praise to God from the innermost part of our heart. And we don't sing good to sound, we don't sing to sound good in front of others. We don't sing even to enjoy the music. We add form, motion, and focus to our praise to the glory of God. In true music, we can give voice to feeling and we can share that feeling simultaneously with other believers. This lets us rejoice in God even as a community, as a people, as a church. And I, I, how is it when you lost your voice? When you can't speak. And the church starts singing, praise Jehovah. How does that make you feel? I'm okay with that. For me, it's right at the line of frustrating. In me, there's something that wants to sing in praise. I believe the imparted life of God wants to do that. We want to praise the Lord. We want to bring praises to God. Singing is a gift from the Lord. Yes, the enemy has copied it, has imitated it, but singing is a gift from the Lord. Just think about it, how singing works. We sing words, we give different tunes and pitches, so something beautiful comes forward, directed towards our Savior. How does that not prompt a person Singing in the midst of a congregation to con constrain him to lift up his voice and sing. See, I'm of a firm belief. If the Holy Spirit is in the throne of our hearts, he will want to praise the Lord in song. And this is why, church, when God's people lift their voices in song, always be ready to worship. Maybe there is a time when the beginning will sound like a sacrifice, but bring forth the worship, the sacrifice of praise with your lips. Lift your voices before the Lord and praise Him. He deserves praise and honor from you, from me. Oh, He will sing for me or this, this guy sings, and I think that's good enough. It sounds not bad. No, He wants all of our praises. I'm going to poke our church here a little bit. Why do we sing afternoon meals? Just to have activity, to make noise. No, it's for that very reason. And I take the opportunity, I mean, we, we take the opportunity to lift our voices together with the church. Take that opportunity. And all you cooks and moms, these dishes can wait 
One minute in eternity, one minute in a day is neither here nor that to have an early walkout. You moms and dads, look at your children and encourage them to sing. Bring praises to the Lord. When the church sing, sing. Clear your mind, clear your heart. Come before the throne and worship the Lord. We intentionally add songs to our everyday life to bless and praise and encourage. And they say it not only encourages us, it praises God. And I've always said, singing falls into two, two categories. One is, it's a testimony of our life. The other one, if you want to be honest, before the Lord, it is a prayer. We pray that. We, we, we desire that. But how blessed it is if it can be a testimony. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look at praying. <clears throat> we worship the Lord through prayer. When we pray, we do not simply mutter our way through a grocery list of needs and wants. We give voice to our gratitude, our doubt, our hopes, our desires. We come before the Lord in honesty. We come before the Lord as a child comes before his daddy. We approach God's throne in humility, yet with boldness knowing that we are his children. And as his children, we can expect him to work good and gracious things in our lives. That's his desire. That's who he is. The best example of a, of a prayer is in Matthew 6. And if you read your Bible, you will know this is the Lord's Prayer. This prayers, prayer hallows, hallows God's name, yet addresses him as a father. And one of the biggest changes that I found in the scripture between the New and the Old Testament, it seems to me that God's people started to address God as a father. Especially like as a father, praying to their heavenly father. As in the Old Testament, it was more as to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it seems the New Testament was more personal. And here we start seeing the working of the Trinity. The Son praying to the Father and addressing Him as such. In Galatians 4, 4, 7, Paul wrote, Chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them with, that were under the law, that he might receive, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, 
but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And here we, we're starting to see, again, more of the Trinity and of the ministry in the, in the Trinity. And how we can come before God in a personal way. Our Father. And here in Galatians, it goes even more personal. If you look at the word um, Abba, it's our Aramanian for Father, but it's more on a personal level. And this is why it says Abba Father is still the Father God, but more on a personal level. And go with me to Mark 14. Verses 34 and 36. And here we have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want you to notice how he addresses his father. Just as in Galatians he said that the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, he sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Verse 34, then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So he was extremely heavy and sorrowful. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, like Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Here we have this personal connection to his father. Like, Daddy, Father, please, can you take this cup from me? And we say, well, Jesus had a personal relationship with him. He was the son of God. But through the Holy Spirit, this is how we come. We make prayer personal. And that's how we come before our Abba Father. In a personal way. One of my favorite verses in John 4, 3. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here is what really touches me, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And we tend to take the language for granted. But Jesus speaking to a potential believer and using the word Father is not a small thing. It's like siblings talking to one another about their daddy, about their father. And this is something that we have to realize and experience as children of God. This fatherly connection. This is the way to the Father through Jesus, as he said in John 4, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is making that way. It's, for me, I, I believe it's part of having a personal relationship with God to see and to recognize the ministry of the Trinity of God. The Father is the giver of all good things. 
Jesus is the Redeemer, the Intercessor, and the Intermediate. He has brought us salvation. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter and the Helper. Now, we don't go dogmatic with these things. But I believe when, when we cultivate a personal relationship with God, these things, this ministry becomes clear to us. Again, and as we build that relationship, we get to know him more. Who God is in our life. It, it just gets to be more and more. So now, Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, it's the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, after this manner, therefore pray ye, he says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for e from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus directed us here in one of the most important resources that we have as God's people. After this men pray, we look at this prayer. And as I do in two ways. Number one is praying this simple prayer in all sincerity. And we do that here. Um, midweek service, Thursday, we do that in school. We do that a lot of times. And it covers all the important elements in our life. And I, I think there are days when we pray it about four times a day. And I think it's good. I know there's a sector of Christianity that, that really doesn't believe that, but I believe it's good. I also look at this prayer when Jesus said, after this men are praying. And I see more as how our prayers, uh, may, maybe not so much structure, but what they should entail, what our heart should be in our prayer. Because when, when we do have a personal relationship, we'll not just go by our memory we come before god and as i said before we address the father we start with praise and thanksgiving and we pray for our spiritual well-being and notice that he uses plural pronouns we pray for the kingdom of God to come and he has his will here on earth in our lives and in our hearts. So this is how we start. We come to who? The Father, the giver of all good things. By the name of Jesus who had given us salvation, gave us access to the throne of grace. And then we start, and then we start praying. We pray for our daily sustenance, spiritually and physically. We pray that he forgives our sins and our trespasses and we confess that we forgive those who trespass against us. And we, we could talk a little bit about that, but that's on our subject. But this is how important it is. We pray for his protection against sin, temptation, and the evil one. Then we exalt God for who he is, all-powerful, almighty, 
and all the glory is his forevermore. And I know lots, many a times to believers, especially younger believers, it's hard to find this quiet time, this personal prayer time. Go to Matthew 6, pray the Lord's Prayer, or look at the structure of that prayer and pray. But God wants us to worship Him in prayer. Jesus knew the church will need a connection to the Father, and He laid down this simple formula to faithfully come to Him in prayer. And I want to emphasize that as we seek a relationship, these things will become clear to us. The, the relationship with Him, the minister of the Trinity, who the Father is in our lives, what Jesus did and what He's still doing, the minister of the Holy Spirit, it will just become clear and evident. So now, next, <clears throat> we worship in serving God. We worship by giving and serving faithfully. <clears throat> that is by mirroring the steadfast attributes and generosities of God. Serving is one of the ways we worship God. We serve because we're constrained by the love of God through the Holy Spirit. Serving as in being the hands and feet of Jesus, we honor God and thereby worship Him with our actions and devotion to His teachings. <clears throat> Just think about this for a minute. When we come to a place where we diligently serve God's people, it's evidence that we have denied ourselves and yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we don't serve other people, who do we serve? Ourselves. When we are obedient, we serve, we're selfless. We leave room for the Lord to work in our lives. And it's a, it's a form of worship without saying a word, but in action. We serve to express gratitude for God's own love towards us. We know that all that we have and who we are, we have a clear identity in Him, is because of His love towards us. We do not give our time, money, and energy to make a show of ourselves, but to point to the cross, but to point to Jesus. Matthew 25, 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. <clears throat> I know in churches it can sound over-familiarity. We can come into the stage and... Um, when we start observing brothers and sisters in the flesh, we start to see their weaknesses. We And this thing can go on to a person that is helpless, that is in need. Well, they can help themselves. 
But there's something beautiful if we give of our action, if we give of our resources, because it does give a sign and it's evident that the Lord is working himself, is working something in us, in us where we've given, that we've let loose and given of something, that we don't hold on to something that is not eternal. In Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Galatians 5, 13, for you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but true love serve one another. So in conclusion, we strive to please the master. We don't look for glory of man. We don't, uh, we don't try to make ourselves a position, but we strive to please the master. We strive to come into harmony with God through the Holy Spirit. Worship takes all of our heart and adoration. We worship what we treasure and value the most. There's a story of a famous violinist who was to perform at a concert hall of a world-renowned hall. And as he stood before the packed house at night and played his violin, he mesmerized the audience with his prowess and skill. As he lifted his bow off the string on his final note, the hall erupted with thunderous applause and he was given a standing ovation. He looked at the crowd for a moment and walked off the stage only to return to render an encore performance, like he did the performance. To the amazement of the masses gathered there that night, his encore performance was even more beautiful and flawless than the first. He looked to the audience and left the stage for the second time, but was beckoned back by the deafening war of the multitude and once again stood to their feet in adulation. He gave yet another encore number, leaving the audience fumbling for words that could describe that their eyes and ears just experienced. This sequence was repeated several more times, and finally, this Rotoso of Rotoso finished his piece, looked to the audience, nodded his head, and simply walked off the stage, while the ferocious cheers could still be heard long after he exited. Reporters pressed outside a violinist's dressing room, waiting to catch a word from the man who had just given the performance of a lifetime. As he emerged from the smaller room, one reporter asked the question, Sir, why did he give so many encore performances? You could have stopped after the first, and everyone would have been amazed. The violinist stopped and replied, For the very first time in my career, my master, the one that taught me to play the violin, was in the audience. When I finished my performance, everyone stood, except for one person. I played again, and everyone stood to applaud, except for him. I continued to play on the conclusion of the last encore I looked into the seats and I noticed that everyone, including my master, was standing and applauding. I was only, it was only then that I was satisfied that I had done a good job. Quest Christians who are living, who are you living to please? Who are we living to please? 
Is our life focused on receiving the praise of men, or are you striving to please your master, Jesus Christ? The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us keep our focus on Jesus Christ, that we may be satisfied. That we did a good job when we hear his words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen.